Hi everybody, welcome back to a, another edition of Beef and Lamb New Zealand Seen and Heard podcast. We're joined today by Hugh Good, uh, who's Global Market Intelligence and Research Manager for Beef and Lamb New Zealand. Uh, usual plug for our prior podcasts. We've got an interview with Hugh some time back talking about a research project into the future of red meat, which I'd really encourage you to go and have a listen to. It's it's quite a detailed report, but there's some really interesting information in there. We're going to talk a wee bit actually about the future of red meat again, but, but quite specifically because when we're recording this, hopefully uh, you're listening to this sometime down the track, some of you, we're right in the middle of the COVID-19 lockdown in New Zealand, and obviously it's had a fairly major impact on one of our big markets, China, and, and, and the rest of the world, obviously. But um, one of the things I've been impressed with in our market team, and this is you know, blowing our own trumpet a wee bit, but Beef and Land New Zealand's market and development team have been quite proactive over the last year or two about looking forward, looking about what's coming, and they already have a bit of research out um, about what's happened to our beef and sheep meat markets in China. So welcome along again, Hugh. Um, yeah, everybody's been in lockdown, but you guys have been pretty busy. So usual yeah. story, um, elevator pitch or the summary, what did you do? What did you find? And, and there's some reasonably, reasonably positive stories in there. Yeah, absolutely. So... Um so one of the things that we've been doing more of has been doing social media monitoring, which is um, not necessarily, in terms of consumer research, is not uh, necessarily asking people questions, but looking at what they they say or what they search for um, online, and they're, they're kind of digital footprint. And we've been mm-hmm. we've been focusing this on China. Uh, when the when the outbreak happened and it went it it bubbled along for a while, but when we could see that there was having a bit more impact and influence, uh, we decided to put this in place um, to, to track what consumers were doing, but also have a real real focus on what what they what the impact on our red meat sector would be, what what changes were happening in terms of protein choices and and buying capacity and and um, and and those sorts of things. So that that's. That's the, the background to the study. Um, there's been some pretty interesting findings along the way. Um, I mean, I think this particular report um, is showing what's happening in China as they're coming out the other end of the lockdown. So it's quite an interesting sort of take on what we hopefully might have to look forward to in a couple of weeks uh, weeks time, and just and just some of their their behaviour and behavioural changes off the back of that. Yeah. So, um, I mean, the first big question, obviously, when it comes to China and, and information out of China, leave aside your specific study, is what is the, the feeling or the, the, the good intelligence, I guess, on where they actually are as an economy? Are they Have they turned the corner and we are sort of seeing recovery and a return to some form of normality? I think uh, I think the... the Probably the the phrase you put cautious in front of everything. Yeah. So they're making yeah. a cautious, cautious, cautiously leaving their um, leaving their lockdown, cautiously returning to retail, cautiously returning to food service. Um, there's still clearly social distancing in a lot of these locations, and not everything's open, and not everything's open for business. Um, but it's certainly not the kind of state mandated only leaving your house, one family member going to the supermarket, and then checking when you return and going looking for you if you don't return sort of thing there's, yep. there's a bit more freedom now but um but yeah there's, there's a kind of cautious opening up of, of things but uh you know there's sort of uh so yeah the, the chinese like their hot pot so uh 
I mean, that's there's finally a few um, food service restaurants that are opening up hot pot restaurants. And one of those, one of the quotes from the report I like that people have been waiting up for up to eight hours um, to get into their popular <laughs> restaurants. For <laughs> they love their hot pot. Clearly, I'm not sure if I wait eight hours for uh, for a meal, but um, but you well, know, yeah. yeah. Another, another couple of weeks of lockdown, and I think my kids will be queuing for two hours outside McDonald's or eight <laughs> hours outside McDonald's, I'd imagine. But um, yeah, yeah, that's good to see. So, yeah. so um, it's an interesting bit of work in that, I mean, yeah, relying on official stats, but you mentioned it there. This is quite a passive bit of work in that you don't go and ask people questions actively. You just sort of almost stalking yeah. on, on social media to see what they are posting of their own free will. Is that sort of how it works? Yep, yep. Essentially, we uh, we use some of the large um, what like the large uh, platforms, social some some of the social media platforms and some of the retail platforms in China sell their data. Um, mm-hmm. So you've got ones called Weibo and and JD.com um, will sell data. You can't get the big one. WeChat, which is the biggest, I believe, um, mm-hmm. doesn't sell its data, but a lot of the other ones will sell you their data, and you can. Um, and it gives you a good feel for what's going on. And I think it's, I mean, Google knows this almost better than anyone else. You don't, you get a better read on what people are, people are really thinking by what they search for and what mm-hmm. they click on, rather than what they what they tell you they search for and what they tell yeah. you they. Click yeah. <laughs> so it's uh, so it's pretty interesting, and and I would say quite accurate data. And we we use an agency that filters it. They get huge data sets. Of talk, people yeah. talking about everything, and then they focus in on the on the on the conversations that are most relevant to us. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's not just what people say. You're actually getting some analytics of what people are searching for, the information, yeah. and that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, have you done this sort of thing before? I mean, is this something you, you sort of use and as a well sort of tried and tested sort of method of yeah, gathering and, market intelligence? And I think in the future we'll use it more. I mean, I'm a little bit old school. I've been doing market research for 15 years, and I grew up on sending out well, even even paper questionnaires very early on and certainly doing phone surveys. I worked in a call centre actually at university doing um, phone, phone surveys. So, mm-hmm. um, and I've, I've run, you know, hundreds of focus groups in my market research career, but this is all, you know, this is all digital now. Um, and especially during COVID, no one's running focus groups of eight people yeah. in a room. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so uh, um, and, I, and I, I think actually... You can get some really good stuff out of here because you get the, you get some nice kind of um, what we talk call qualitative feedback, like people saying phrases, and, and you can dig into it. Mm. Plus, you get the kind of quantitative macro level, the, the weighting of the conversation. So, how many people are, are saying the same thing? Yeah. So, it gives you a good feel for the kind of the size of the size of relative size of the issues or conversations. And mm. also specifics within the topic, so I I, re- I think it's quite valuable and probably yeah. way to go in the future. No, I think you know people's browsers history is going to tell you what they're they're feeling or thinking rather than what they feel you when they answer a question what they think you might want to to hear them exactly. say. But, yeah. um, you, you talked there about you know cautious optimism and and everything with caution, um, interest in hot pot uh, restaurants and getting back into that. One of yeah. the really interesting things and. Um, I should have mentioned it before. If you look down in the blurb of this podcast, the link to the article and to the full report will be there. They're both on the Beef and Lamb New Zealand website. Um, Really interesting to to have a read through. But uh, the big story probably that let down at me is that uh, beef has probably been the 
the winner in a way, if you want to use that phrase, or, or, yeah. or has been most positively impacted by all this. And, and it's interesting, you kind of, you have to continually remind yourself that their, their retailer and their cooking and their food preparation setup is just really different to ours. Mm. Like a lot of people, a lot of Chinese consumers would buy fresh every day. Not everyone would have a, well, I, I think this is true. Some people say that, that not everyone has a fridge in their house, which seems nuts, or, or, mm. or, or, or any capacity to store frozen goods. So they're going to the markets, they're, they're shopping every day. But then since COVID's been around, and also um, food service has been completely shut down. And, and again, Chinese consumers are used to eating out a lot. So it's just been this huge change. And um, and and beef and beef conversations, people people are just getting a lot more used to experiment, both A, cooking at home, um, storing food at home, and then but also cooking proteins and experimenting with proteins that they might not have, have usually mm-hmm experimented with and, and also this is combined with african swine fever and a, and a, and a, sh- and a shortage of pork and mistrust in in, in pork a, a lot due to the fact that um due to the pork shortages the um the chinese government released their strategic pork store so there was a lot of uh, very people people very suspicious about how long <laughs> pork are, they've been turning it zombie pork yeah so yep. this this kind of um perfect storm um, and then, but people have had a lot more time to cook at home and, and experiment with beef that they're not as familiar with versus pork. But I think there's just been a really solid, good conversation about it. Um, and also, uh, you know, <coughs> I would say that all the evidence points to the online retailers really delivering and picking up their game and meeting the promises uh-huh. on this. Um, so it's, so people are being driven to online because of um, not being able to shop, not being able to leave their apartments. But they've been they've been purchasing online and having del- food delivered, and it's been very convenient. Um, and 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 this I think probably will be a long term shift actually. Okay. That given they've had such great experiences with it, um, that they are uh, that they they're going to continue to shop. China was already a massive online shopping market, but not for food. But I think that's going to be one of the shifts that happens out of this. Um, um, but yeah, yeah, people are just been getting a lot more familiar with how to prepare beef at home, which seems to be one of the big, big things that's happened. Yeah, was certainly a bit of experimenting going on in my kitchen at home at the moment with the kids. <laughs> yeah. um, eventually, they were unable; they even get sick of their tablets and, and Wi-Fi. But um, <laughs> wheat markets. I mean, if they are sort of going to be more strictly controlled or even phased out or, or not mm. trusted by the, the consumers. I mean, how important were they for New Zealand beef and or, or sheep meat? Um, yeah, I, I would say, and uh, I would say quite important. I've had the, had the statistic um, mentioned to me that 80% of our product went through wet markets. No, I'm not sure. That okay. that might be, you might have to ask my boss, Nick Beebe, he's mentioned that previously. Yeah. And it was, um, but, but I think a lot of our product did historically go through there. Um, and I know looking at some of the stats from, from, from uh, supply, the, the supply to China dropped pretty dramatically when the shutdown uh-huh. happened. So that's probably linked. You know, I would say it's very likely linked with that. Yeah. Um, but I think uh, you know that that will have ramifications for for where our product goes, how it's dis- distributed. But I think um, what one of the pieces out of the report was that huge increase in desire for convenience, uh-huh. and that's that's because you know these people are cooking at home who are used to having a plethora of 
street eating options, food service options, all sorts of ways, places they could eat. But now they need food that's easy and convenient and, and, and simple to prepare at home. Mm-hmm. So that'll be a that'll be a um, a big shift as well. So yeah. certainly the wet market, but also um, how w- what our product looks like when it gets to the Chinese consumers and move away from these kind of the primal cuts to the more kind of you know um, yeah yeah more more kind of meal ready meal ready um, cuts. So just out of interest, so you know we're obviously exporting beef or lamb or sheep meat over to China. To yeah. the wet markets, is that stuff that we send chilled and goes there, or is that stuff that we send frozen and gets defrosted and sold in the wet market? I mean, how does it work? Um, I mean, I think it's a combination. I think the and, and the vast majority of our product continues to be frozen, partially due to licensing. Um, mm-hmm. The challenges was getting plants licensed, so I don't know if it's necessarily always our our choice. Um, but yeah, it'll be a mix of chilled plus frozen. Mm-hmm. But I think I believe the majority going to China continues to be frozen because of yeah challenges getting plants licensed. Yeah. So so that would um, naturally lend itself, does it? Then if if what you're sort of saying that people moving more to away from those and maybe even you know there might be a, a, a rush on buying fridges and freezers for yeah, I, I Chinese that. households. That's a good. Yeah. That's a good question for the for the next um, report. Yeah. Actually, I should uh, follow up on that. Is what's the kind of? <laughs> is, is there a massive spike in people looking for fridge yeah. freezers? Which um, would presumably yeah. work. You know, we're well set up. That's obviously what we do elsewhere in the world: supply product that people take home and freeze and or put in yeah. the fridge rather than than buy sort it's of. Day. Yeah. Yeah. But what about the? Um, we're probably getting away from just the, strictly the report findings, but it's it's really interesting <laughs> understanding what our, what uh, the people who buy our product actually want and how they buy the, the online market. You're saying that's become massively more trusted and growing. I mean, but presumably that's not we're not a huge that's not a huge deal for New Zealand beef and lamb uh, yet. Or, or yeah, I mean, I, I think and and there's probably complexities with the processes with their individual contacts and and mm. and, and and distributors and market in terms of. What, what the shape of what they supply in and how much how much control they have over that in market but but you know i think um wherever it, wherever there is uh, it, we have a say in it i think that and, and can control how our product ends up being presented i think they, 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 this does seem to have been a a kind of a bit of a shift and i would mm-hmm. i would probably suggest it will it'll be a one that sticks in terms of mm. you know desire for purchasing online because people have had a, have, have used it and 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 it's worked. Mm-hmm. Also, there's going to be a shift in how things are packaged and packaging. There's, I think, um, you, you know, it, it's it's a little bit opaque as to exactly what how this virus where this virus came from. Mm-hmm. But I think there's there is um, there is just general concern around around the the how things are product how things are packaged and the safety of them and the and the, and the um the food safety aspect so there's going to be higher in line with this kind of shift to online and and shift to delivery there'll be a, there'll be a shift to wanting more packaged more prepackaged vacuum packed uh-huh. products that both both to store but also from that 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 sort of food safety element yeah so you've talked there about Beef's benefit at the expense of pork, and pork affected by African and swine fever. But there's, there's actually something more to it than that for beef, in that culturally beef is seen as having quite strong sort of health or immunity oh, yeah, connotations yeah. here. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, that's probably um, certainly that's another element uh, within that is that within Chinese traditional medicine, it's beef is seen as boosting the immune system and 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 um, and those those sorts of uh, yeah benefits over and above above that. So so I think you know it completely aligns with what people are looking for, wanting to to make sure that they boost their immune system just in case there's um, any further complications from COVID on the horizon. Um, it's all, I mean, it's also, that's why they consume it in winter as well. You, you should be, they, they link it with consuming it after the first snow, um, mm-hmm. you want beef, just to, just to boost your immune system through winter. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think it also, it's a slightly less sophisticated market for, um, for, for for lamb i think if you look on the social media and they um they use um mutton and lamb so, well, with a chinese equivalent relatively interchangeably mm-hmm. um, that's probably driven by historically the more expensive cuts have gone elsewhere um more to north america versus china um but that, that will change over time but there's more of an education piece around um, around lamb and versus mutton and 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 how how you might use a higher end lamb product differently mm. from a mutton product. Um, yeah. But yeah, that, that's something that'll evolve over time. I would have thought. <clears throat> mm. I mean, I guess um, you know, being reasonably big sheep meat eaters yourself and, and accustomed to the taste, I mean, things like mutton probably lend themselves to the hot pot style. You know, lamb yeah. is that. Well, you eat it by itself because it's got a milder flavour, whereas the mutton's ideal for yeah. eating spices and flavours, I guess, that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it sounds so, pretty actually, yeah. Yep. So the interesting thing, you know, so beef has that benefit. What about, I mean, is there any differentiation? Is beef beef or is New Zealand beef seen as a subset of beef overall that's better or worse or, or preferable or anything like that in the research? So um, not, not, not this not this piece mm-hmm. specifically. I mean, we've looked into origin and um, any kind of aggregate level for beef and lamb, and um, and it hasn't. Sh- I mean, there's just generally quite positive, um, yeah, positive mm. disposition of Chinese consumers towards New Zealand. And I think we've been relatively out of the news in terms of COVID mm-hmm. um, versus other countries and. I mean, there's no nothing to suggest, obviously, that COVID's um, would interfere with with the with a product like um, beef or sheep meat, but there is that kind of halo effect of being a well-organized country, um, mm. isolated, and 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 being relatively unimpacted by things like um, a global pandemic, which yeah. just add to our kind of add to that story of isolation, naturalness, safety. Mm. So um, it's it's been a gen, it's been a generally um, good from that perspective. Yeah. So there's the the rising tides lifts all sh- ships. You know, if, if demand for beef and sheep meat goes up, then New Zealand naturally is going to benefit from that as one of the main suppliers of those. But there is some generally New Zealand as a country of origin. I mean, has it been positively influenced by this? That's what you're sort of saying there. There's yes, yep, no yeah, news that's is good what I'm news. Saying, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So being being out of the news in this situation, in the COVID situation, is a, is a good thing, absolutely. Yeah, um, and you, that came through in the research. You were seeing that in some of the social media stuff. Uh, yeah, I mean, so 
not not necessarily linking them linking mm-hmm. them together, but yep. but if you just look on, I mean, you look at some of the sentiment towards New Zealand beef and lamb and the and the positive versus negative, um, it's been generally generally positive, and New Zealand as an origin has been positive, um, and yeah, and we haven't there hasn't been there hasn't been like uh, pickups around New Zealand's been adversely affected by this um, versus versus other countries, but. Um, yeah, that we've seen. Yeah. So just the, the last question, because, you know, um, I'd encourage people, as I said, to read the article. And if you really want to, the link's there for, for the full report. But the last question I'd sort of noted down just on this is, and you touched on it to agree around longer term cultural or social changes in terms of how people buy and store and prepare meat, beef or sheep meat or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. But I guess one of the big picture things I'm interested in is how long term the, the effect of this might be for you know, overall beef and lamb consumption, however it's consumed. So from what I understand, pork is is and has been for a long time the number one game in town in terms of yep. meat protein consumption in China. And there's, there's, it's been affected. I mean, do you think a shift to red meat is something, however it's consumed, however it's is, is happening long term in China? Or, or do you think with... Once we get through this, once we get through African swine fever effect, that we may see that that community that come back, back to pork. Pull back, yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, and then there's lots of other factors at play outside of this. Um, you know, I think the market's being opened up to other players as well. The US is just being allowed to import red meat back and uh, beef back into the into um, mm-hmm. into into China. So, I mean, I think. I think long term, the sort of some some of the I think the 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 fact that we've had people locked inside for what is it eleven weeks in Wuhan and, mm-hmm. and or like widely probably a bit shorter, and they've had, there's been a pork shortage, um, and they've had a load of time to experiment with cooking at home, uh, with beef, seemingly part of that conversation quite heavily is is mm-hmm. undoubtedly a, a pretty unique thing and a good thing yep. for for us. So I think um, I think that will have a kind of I think that will actually have a kind of medium to long term bump, I, I think. Mm-hmm. Just you just never have that opportunity to kind of just lock people inside yeah. and force them to cook your product when it when there's a shortage of other things. Yeah. Plus have the kind of attributes that you want during a pandemic, you know, having having something yeah. that you is seen to boost your immunity. So I think I think that's that will probably result in a um in, in, in some kind of longer term um you know shift towards red meat. Um, yep. Time will tell. <laughs> I mean, even looking at cross-referencing that with sales data, and you know, I know that um, that uh, um, it was it's been a challenge importing into China, so our numbers have dropped there. But it's been a pretty bumper month for both um, both beef and lamb sales globally. I mean, uh-huh. the US is going pretty gangbusters as well. And and I know in look, not speaking about China at the moment, but. Uh, the demand is off off the charts in um, in uh, in the US and within within a lot of categories, but certainly within meat. I'm talking to some of the processes there that demands up at sort of hundreds of percent. Um, and and what we saw this is this isn't covered in the most recent report, but during the height of the pandemic in China, people moved to a kind sought out familiar foods and comfort foods. They wanted comforting mm-hmm. things and. And and you saw that in the you're seeing that in the US that sales of all of the kind of um, you know um, kale kale crisps and sort of uh, <laughs> and yeah. quinoa and uh, you know the sort of um, mm-hmm. 
those sorts of I don't know new 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 yep. tastes and new flavors have, have dropped and people are buying a lot of meat a lot of red meat but also things like craft mac and cheese and and yep. really kind of comfort safe familiar traditional food and we saw that a lot in um yeah so that that was a kind of a, a hunkering down keeping safe looking for safety and, and security uh, in the u.s so that that will be really interesting to see how that plays yeah. out there but, um, um well, but a, yeah that's some big numbers too because for you know the, the the figures they have for meat consumption already in north america are fairly dramatic so to see big lifts yeah. even further is quite quite something well i think part of that might be down to people buying everything <laughs> just in shortages rather than necessarily driven by a kind of True. choice but but i think certainly you're going to have a similar situation you're going to have people who who um who might be used to eating out several times a week being forced to forced mm. to um, cook at home and, and experiment and try new things and uh and certainly for our for where where we sell into retail there that's a pretty good opportunity to um to talk to people advertise to them maybe even suggest some uh, some uh, some yeah. recipes for um you know some good uh, lamb recipes some good lamb mince recipes for when they're uh, locked away at home but, um, yeah, yeah. what's well, that that old saying in every crisis there's always an opportunity and sometimes <laughs> people use that for nefarious means but i guess for new zealand sheep and beef uh, sheep meat and beef producers there's um there's some positive things mm. that could come out of it. I guess the key word there is opportunity. Ultimately, it's down to how well we, we make use of that opportunity. But, Absolutely. hey, look, thanks, Hugh. That's sort of, I think, ticked off most of the questions I wanted to ask. Is there anything we haven't addressed that you wanted to talk about? <laughs> um, no, I, I think that's I think that's the main thing, really. I mean, it, it's yeah. just a, it's just a interesting, I think, from looking at how uh, what, what's happened there and, and sort of thinking about our own future in terms of what yeah. how, how things might play out with us. I see the numbers have dropped today for the uh, the new new infections, which is which is a positive. So hopefully we can get out of lockdown in a couple of weeks and get back to work. <laughs> yeah, no, no, we'll touch wood. But it's um, partly that was why I was so keen to have a yarn here. It's been a bit bleak lately, and there's been a lot of challenges. But um, when this came out, it was sort of um, a silver yep. lining in a cloud moment, to, to use another cliche. It was um, a good bit of news and something that um, for sheep and beef farmers out there, they can be pre- pretty positive about. Yeah, well, I might also give a slight plug for my uh, to to Leanne Marsh, who's, who's just got some numbers around uh, around how farmers are seen, and there's been a real boost in terms of how farmers and farming is perceived during this crisis. Much more in New Zealand, New Zealand is very positive, positively disposed to them, and sort of supporting the economy at the moment. So that's a that's a that's a really that's another good positive. Yeah, I've got the number here. Yeah, overall, the net impact is an increase of 14% in positivity towards the red meat industry um, in New Zealand due to uh, due to the, the impact of this of COVID and the fact that they're working through. Um, and that's from a yeah. nationally representative sample of a thousand New Zealanders. So, um, so that's that's good going, right? That's fascinating, isn't it? How you know what you're talking about, what people want to eat in times of crisis, and what uh, they see as important or positive, and um... Yeah. tough time so um yeah, yeah no. the diet's gone out the window in our family i don't know how it's gone for yours <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah it's, yeah, no, it's, um, yeah. filter on need a filter on all these video conferences where it sort of narrows things up <laughs> yeah. a bit at the moment certainly yeah nothing blue. but um no it's good it's uh it's not and, and i guess i'd um while we're on that reiterate what our, our chairman said thank you very much to the people in the processing industries too that are keeping the, the supply yeah. chains flowing while um 
farmers are, are caring about their day-to-day -day work. So, hey, look, um, if there's nothing else here, we might call that it to it. a close there. Brilliant. Awesome. Hey, look, thank you very much for your time. And look, thanks to you, those of you that are listening. As I said, I'd encourage you to go look back and have a look at the other podcast with Hugh and a, a really detailed bit of work about the future of red meat. But I certainly wanted to grab them today. And, yeah, a nice, a good news story when um, things are, are quite challenging at the moment out there in New Zealand and the rest of the world. So, Hugh Good, Global Market Intelligence and Research Manager for Beef and Lamb New Zealand. Thank you very much for your time. Cheers, Aaron. Nice to talk to you. See you later. Bye.